Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. The trade deadline is a mere one week away now. It's been moved out to February 8th. I can't believe we're already on February 1st here, and I can't believe the trade deadline is so close. Uh, always, we have that buffer zone of the all-star break afterwards. So uh, I'm thinking that uh, it's time to get Mark Stein on it again, uh, talk a little bit about where he sees things with the trade deadline merely a week away. How's it going, Mark? Good, man. I'm good. Do you uh, Are you a fan of the trade deadline before all-star weekend adjustment? No. <laughs> no. Not, not really. I mean, I, I think, well, it's probably for uh, for guys like you who are like super into covering it. It, it gives you kind of a more of a longer down season after the trade deadline is over to kind of relax. Like there's, But for me, I, I think that it's just it's better for more teams to have clarity of where they are as a team. And so more time provides that. Then I actually heard an interesting thought from a, an executive yesterday I was talking to who said he thinks that they're going to be more lopsided deals this year because everyone is not there at that all-star powwow to kind of get a great idea talk to everyone of what the market is for first round picks or their players or what have you i i don't feel like i need downtime but it just makes it really hard to enjoy all-star weekend and that's really what i'm excited about i grew up most of my life in southern california so an all-star game in los angeles holds great value for me just because it's a homecoming but i'm really interested to see what it's going to be like to actually be at all-star weekend and have the trade chaos in our rearview mirror and just how much that's going to change the dynamic i think that's going to be fun it does seem like the league is really emphasizing all-star more that there's now the news that 100k for the winners 25k for the losers that split has been increased uh they did do the all-star draft this year which uh, i knew you were critical that it wasn't televised i, I felt the same way but eventually it, it all got leaked anyway which is, is good to know uh <laughs> and uh uh, so yeah i don't know maybe we'll see whether it's it's more competitive or, or well not just this year. i know you want to talk trades but just my my big yeah. thing on that is i i'm in the camp that says i don't want it to be a televised special i want them to pick on the court just like oh yeah that's just right just like the way we all grew up playing pickup ball and i would love to see these guys you know in their little reversible jerseys and hey you're on lebron's team steph's got you let's let's pick and let's go i mean that that would be i think incredible theater and it would make it would take the all-star game to a new level it's not gonna happen even if it does end up on tv it's not gonna happen that way but that that's what i would love to see and you know what i just think these guys they're big boys they're all stars they're the they're the elite of the elite i think they are tough enough to handle it even if al (laughs) horford or kevin love or whoever it is gets picked last i i I think they're tough enough to take yeah well but you know from a coaching standpoint what are these coaches gonna do like they're what do you mean coaches there's no put in all these great strategies there's no coaching in the (laughs) all-star game they're just happy to be there and you don't think steve kerr is you don't think steve kerr is taunting uh his rival coaches that he's off this weekend believe i mean look it, it's an honor it's an honor for a coaching staff to go but they're not doing a heck of a lot of work. all right well let's get into the trade market here and the way i want to start is just by giving you the floor and say what's most interesting to you in terms of some of the upcoming activity like what are the stories that you're monitoring most closely as we go forward here well what cleveland's got to do I think has to be at the top of the list because the Cavs are a mess and you know we all came into the season assuming we were in for act four of Cavs Warriors and they've looked so bad and now with the Kevin Love injury you have to legitimately ask the question can these guys even get back to the final so whatever they do in the trade deadline slash buyout market I I think still is plenty riveting but I would also say and again none of no one listening to this wants me to say this you don't want me to say this. The esteemed Danny LaRue doesn't want me to say this, but we've had so much trade scrumptiousness for, you know, going back to June, eight months. If we don't see another Whopper in the next week,
week, I don't think we should be sitting here throwing up our hands and complaining. I mean, Blake Griffin just got traded three days ago. This The last eight months has been an absolute feast for fans of the transaction game. So you know what? If we don't get something on that level in the next week, let's all take a deep breath and not not get too uh not get too greedy yeah i mean what we've had over the past year or so i mean starting with that cousins trade I mean, yeah. look at how many players you know all-stars recent former all-stars have been on the move in the past you know 18 months has been remarkable i mean just think about where we were at trade deadline i mean i'm sorry at all-star weekend a year ago i mean that all-star weekend was you know that sunday was insane with anthony davis going for a zillion points and demarcus cousins getting traded so we have been very 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 fortunate so uh, i want to talk a little bit about the blake trade as well i think that's just such a fascinating deal from both teams perspective and you mentioned something in your newsletter plug which uh, everyone here should sign up for to just get mark stein's musings directly to your email inbox and i think it's free isn't it 100 percent free just pop go to the do a google search on mark stein newsletter put in your email address and once a week so you mentioned in there that there's a little palace intrigue with the Pistons and that that was what was pressing them in part to do this. Can you elaborate on that? Well, it's interesting. I've, before the Blake trade, the kind of buzziest thing that was coming out of Detroit, and I've heard this from multiple rival teams in the last couple of weeks, there there seems to be an anticipation that Arn Tellum, who of course is one of the most successful agents in this league's history and has been running the Pistons business side for two plus years now, there is a lot of chatter that don't be surprised if Arn Tellum ends up running the Pistons basketball operations in the near future. Obviously, the Pistons have been struggling in a huge way for two months now. So there was a lot of heat on Stan Van Gundy before this deal. So that, to me, is something that we have to keep monitoring and something that I can't say that I know to the extent at this point. How involved was Arn Tellum in this trade? Did he have any voice in this move for the Pistons? Maybe he had none. Maybe there's nothing there. Maybe this is just something that other teams are talking about. But it, it's been quite a discussion topic, uh, really going back to the to the G League showcase in Toronto at the start of January that a lot of people have been whispering about. Don't be surprised if Arn Tellum ends up making a move to the basketball side in Detroit. Well, you know, it's funny, and it's too bad, really, that they don't play in Auburn Hills anymore because we could have used Palace Intrigue in a literal sense. Uh, but now, of course, uh, partly due that, to Arn that's, that's what I was going for, so thank you for spotting that. <laughs> yeah only only six months too late uh, on that joke uh but yeah it's uh it always struck me as i mean this guy is one of the most powerful guys in the nba and for him to just go to the detroit pistons just to run the business side and it seemed like you know his raison d'etre for them in the uh early part was to get this deal done to move to little caesar's arena but now that that is complete and they're in there and they're not particularly filling many seats there as well it did seem like well you know is he's just like you know sending out emails to season ticket holders like what is he doing right now and so yeah it it seems uh unrealistic to me that someone like that who just has like that type of fire and that type of influence is just gonna kind of be mired on the pistons business side uh, and not have an influence over basketball operations especially when stan van gundy and uh, that regime have not been you know particularly successful they've had some moments here and there but you know the pistons are not exactly a, a young up-and-coming team at this well point. and you mentioned the attendance issue and to me you know that that has to be a significant factor in this trade for blake griffin i agree with everything stan van gundy said it's very challenging for a franchise like detroit to attract superstar talent there's no way they can even get a free agent meeting with blake griffin let alone think about trying to sign a blake griffin in free agency but this is year one of a new building and they're in the bottom third in attendance and that's alarming you don't see that in the nba i'm not you know it's not like 30 teams are selling out arenas but typically when there's a new building drawing a crowd is not an issue and you you see those games on league pass uh, there is there is there is not much you know not not there there are there are plenty of good seats available in detroit and that's got to be a worry <laughs> in year one and let's face it they were in you know an hour away for a long long time and you know i'm sure a lot of their fan base is in the auburn hills area i mean that's a that's a long haul 
all from downtown Detroit, but, you know, still worrisome. And Blake Griffin's the most interesting player they've had there in forever. So he will certainly, if nothing else, help them at the turnstiles. All right. So we've got a lot more to get to here with Mark right after this word from draft. Fantasy basketball fans, you think you have a good idea of how these players who just got traded are going to play in their new destinations? Well, maybe you should draft those guys tonight on draft. It's daily fantasy basketball, but much better than traditional salary cap leagues because you actually draft using a snake draft. So pros aren't going to dump hundreds of lineups into this game. You can actually play against other people like yourself who don't make this their entire job. And you have a much better chance of winning on draft as a result. You just draft your players in a snake draft takes about two to three minutes for one night and then follow along as you watch the games wednesday nights friday nights saturday nights those are great nights to play on draft because so many teams generally are in action on those nights you don't have to worry about even the slightest bit of management because they'll even take care of last minute injuries for you and drafts start every couple of minutes so you could join one right now they start at just one dollar so there's a draft for everyone so when you get started with them search draft in your app store and then you can join a game of minutes there or you can play for your computer at draft.com and for limited time only all new players can get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit using my promo code CAPSPACE. So I play a real money game for free using that familiar promo code CAPSPACE on your first deposit. And of course, use that code to let them know that you came from us. So anything else you want to talk about uh, on the Blake trade? I I thought it's really interesting uh, from the Clippers side as well. uh, Do you have a a sense, we talked about the the Pistons front office, of kind of what it was for the Clippers, whether it was a certain person's uh, voice or that made them be able to convince Vince Steve Ballmer, who you know it seemed like was kind of on the fence about wanting to stay competitive with the team. Maybe they still can do that, but Blake obviously was the biggest piece there to make them say, "All right, you know what? I think we, we do actually have to make this move." Yeah, look, I, I think obviously Steve Ballmer does not want to become a lottery team. That's going to be something very difficult, very difficult for him to accept. But look, Jerry West has come in there, and you know, at least around the league, the the assumption is that. Jerry had a lot to say about this move because this is a blow it up, clear the decks kind of move. And it's only a start. The Clippers do not yet have the calorie, the salary cap space to go after a LeBron James or a Paul George yet this summer, but they're not done. And this is clearly, you know, the, the first big step in, in starting over. And I think just, just, you know, I haven't had a chance to directly speak with Jerry about this, but just having observed him for a long time, covering him for a long time, he is very aggressive. He likes to take the boldest swings possible. And I think he would love to at least have the opportunity to go into the summer market if they can keep creating space and go try to make a play for one of these guys. And then in the worst case scenario, if the Clippers, even if the Clippers create the cap room, go into 2018 free agency and strike out completely in 2019, they're going to be really well positioned to be at the top of the list, the front of the line for guys like Kyrie Irving and Jimmy Butler. So it's, it's an aggressive move, but it, you know, I don't I don't think longtime Jerry West watchers are shocked, totally shocked by the path that they have chosen. The shock is that you could find someone to take Blake Griffin's monster contract yeah. because, look, everyone is saying, why didn't Blake get a no trade clause in this deal? I think most people looked at that contract and said, the contract is the no trade clause. No one is <laughs> no one is taking a hundred and seventy five million dollar deal with Blake's injury history. And the Detroit Pistons stepped up and they did. So, you know, that that. That's, that's where the surprise comes in. And if the Clippers really took the position of, we will give you five years, $170 million plus, but you don't get a no trade, how does Blake Griffin say no to that? You can't say no to that. Of course, he would have loved to have had the no trade clause, but how do you say no to that pitch? Yeah, it seemed like, and no trade clauses are pretty tough to come by, especially with the Carmelo drama had been in full swing at that point. And so I'm sure front offices were extremely wary about that. For the Clippers, their numbers for this offseason, we tweeted these out uh, about an hour and a half actually after the trade went down we do that for our patreon subscribers patreon.com slash duncan larue one scenario that i see probably the most realistic one is they could really only get to about 24 million in 2018 summer 2018 space they still got austin rivers on the books they still got wesley johnson on the books both those guys probably opt in to their player option they still got boban who they had to take back as bad salary they'll have tobias harris still as well but as of right now the only money they have in their books that's significant for the summer of 2019 is Gallo's 22 million, which is looking like another uh, no trade clause <laughs> contract. As you uh, so say, 
obviously put it there but so yeah they could get to 70 million in space and if they wanted to uh, move on from gallo they could get even more uh so just totally refresh it just remains to be seen now with lou williams with deandre are they gonna just try to go the one year 2016 they're, Miami they're gonna route? get a first round yeah. they're gonna get a first round pick for lou williams yeah I, I just i believe that there is i don't know where yet but i believe there is sufficient interest in lou williams that somehow some way they get a first so again if this is the path they're taking and they get a couple firsts they get tobias harris who is clearly a player with upside they're also getting some nice pieces for the future along the way it's not like they've just sent blake griffin away and they have a g league roster in there and and, you know they're you know they're making they're getting they're getting some assets so when they get to 2019 it isn't you know a barren roster so you know there are a lot of a lot of reasons to do what they did the biggest quarrel i think you can have with the clippers is that they made the whole blake you're a clipper for life pitch and seven months later they send him on his way and there will be there will they will they will there will be some fallout from that that will come up in conversations between agents and the clippers going forward but obviously they felt like that's a hit worth taking to do what they did yeah i mean newsflash people can get traded in the nba and and relationships can look like they're a match made in heaven and then sour i mean you know that that happens i mean i think that's something where if the money is there if the team is there you know to say oh they're they're loyal i mean the number of teams that are just have that level of loyalty you could probably count them on one hand and you can even make the argument that it's hurt those teams at at times as well like to, to say for example that san antonio has continued to be as loyal to tony parker as they have been instead of looking to upgrade a point guard for example you know maybe that helps them in the long run maybe it has hurt them to not be able to go after like a mike conley in the summer of 2016 or or something like that um let's see what else did i have here um yeah you mentioned lou will and getting a first round pick the other guy who really falls into a very similar category is kind of redundant to him and that memphis also wants a first round pick for is tyreek evans and it's been mentioned that memphis was not going to give him up without a first round pick what's the latest on tyreek now i think that one's going to go all the way to the buzzer yeah because the grizzlies want a first and no one wants to give them a first but we're a week out so it's you know we haven't reached desperation time for the various playoff teams that are interested i reported wednesday that it was philadelphia chasing him since then a bunch of other teams have emerged and the grizzlies have lots of interest you know they've apparently made the decision to, to shut uh, tyreek down until the deadline to make sure he doesn't get hurt so will they ultimately trade him for two seconds if they can't get a first next week i think it's it's the reasonable assumption is he's going to be moved there's no reason for memphis to hang on to him especially at that you know he's at such a small number even you know i think honestly even if they got if they got two seconds for tyreek that would that would still be a nice haul for a guy that you have on virtually no money yeah and part of the reason why lou williams would be more appealing to teams than tyreek again those guys play pretty similar roles tyreek has a little more size defensively uh, is that lou comes with full bird rights when you trade him and so you could look to re-sign him which could be important for a lot of these capped out teams who are kind of in the middle whereas Tyreek he's on that one year 3.3 million dollar deal uh, with Memphis's BAE and so you only get non-bird rights to pay him 120 percent so you got to break into either an exception or have cap space to resign him so he's a lot harder to bring back and probably hasn't played as well as Lou has uh, over the long term and especially this year as well although he's having an underrated season so I, I think maybe they get there first but and you went back and forth with Chris Harrington about this a little bit that it's going to have to be something else whether it's you're going to take on some more bad money for next year or whether maybe memphis sends out a second and they get back a first or they send out a young player something along those lines i think because well, specific yeah. specifically addressing the sixers yeah the, the issue is philly doesn't want to give them a first and memphis doesn't want to take back jared bayless so right. you've got two obstacles to a deal there that have to be worked through if if those teams are the ones that are going to make this swap yeah and especially worth noting too here a lot of times we just say oh a first well a first is a lot different if you're a team like philly that's probably gonna be picking in the high teens than if you're a team like you know where the spurs or rockets uh, or the warriors are where your pick is going to be 25 or below you know that's a, a big difference and if you're it's a much bigger opportunity cost to give up a pick that's you know going to be if not in the lottery hopefully for the sixers but probably in the teens and then you're 
you should expect to be compensated more for giving up a pick like that sorry lost my train of thought. oh here I, I got one for you this is from when i lost my train of thought earlier avery bradley going back to the clippers i knew there had been one other thing with the clippers i wanted to ask you about what do you think his status is there and are they going to try to look to move him they can they can't aggregate him together with any other salary but uh or they would have to trade him to a team that has cap room if they do aggregate uh but you know he's only making 8.8 million so they could probably either take back something that would be for next year's salary if they decide hey we're not going to get there in 2018 or you know just trade him to a team that uh boston not among them but uh trade him to a team that could send back some other expiring salary for this year do you think he ends the season with the clippers are they going to try and use him this year or would they look to move him as well well on one hand you know they the clippers have gone to great lengths to say we want to stay decent now we've exceeded expectations to this point you all thought we were going to fall off the face of the earth without chris paul we haven't we're in the playoff mix you know they'd still like to make the playoffs but uh, you know on the flip side they're open for business on anyone they will move pretty much anyone at this point and i think assets you know picks cap space if they can get more of either they would do pretty much anything and and you know what they should if you oh, brought yeah. in jerry west if, if if you brought in jerry west whether he's calling the shots just an advisor however you want to describe him jerry west is at his best come july 1 when he can go talk to people and look these stars in the eye and they want to speak with him i am not suggesting in the least that the clippers have somehow vaulted to the top of lebron's list i know there's people out there who still think lebron won't give the clippers a second look but just my instinct is again having covered jerry west for a long long time if the clippers somehow manufacture cap space and jerry west says lebron can we just have a chat i'm guessing lebron has that chat i mean that is the cachet that jerry west has and that's why steve ballmer is paying a reported four or five million a year annually to have jerry west there so if you're the clippers i do think it's i i i think what they are doing is is the correct thing i just i you know i'm old school i'm a romantic i don't like the mock jersey retirement and then trade the guy (laughs) seven months later i don't like that but you're right i mean this is this is the big boy world of the nba and this stuff happens i think jerry also is worth his weight in gold in part because they are paying him so much right if you're steve ballmer you're not going to bring in jerry west as a consultant and pay him a reported four to five million a year and then not listen to him right i mean i think he's he's worth it just to be able to go to a steve ballmer and say hey as a front office we think that this is the best course of action and actually convince him hey you know what like you need to play pay blake griffin like this is an ugly contract we got i know you love him but like this is the hard decision that needs to be made and he's never just going to advocate for hey you know we're 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 overachieving let's make a run for the sixth seed Uh, yes it just ain't happen it ain't happen um yeah and for bradley i mean it does seem to me that it would make a lot of sense to trade him because re-signing avery bradley to his next contract which you know he's going to want a reported 20 million a year you've seen that figure tossed around uh, by writers and that usually means that his agent has said uh, has tossed that around as the the number he's going to be seeking uh you know i don't know whether he gets that or not but re-signing avery bradley and using all cap space for the next three or four years on that again that's not like the type of jerry west move that you'd be talking about no i mean bradley the you know there should be a market for him because obviously he's you know his defensive chops are such that i have to believe you know i have to believe that there would there would be interest i'm you know again the the clippers you know play it out and if they can if they can get an asset for him i don't think they would hesitate to trade him even amid their stated desire to stay competitive while they rebuild which is obviously something that's not easy to do let's talk about the Cavs now who we alluded to in the open of the show one thing that has been a a parlor game of mine for a long time in our mock trade deadlines every year is kevin love always seems to to get traded in fact in our episode we had uh love basically going to the pistons for pretty similar to the package that ended up going for blake minus the the first round pick uh but now of course the the idea of trading love is probably off the table with this broken hand um but do you think that that could have been on the table for cleveland to move love or and could it even be even with the the broken hand or is he just too much a part of the core there i was told adamantly this week that they were not going to move him because i you know i've i've heard that they were open to it and that they were looking at that dramatic of a restructuring if necessary but when i posed it to people in the know there i was shot down pretty vociferously and now that the injury has occurred i don't think we're ever going to really know the truth because he you know he becomes a lot harder to trade now when he can't even play for six more weeks but i mean they don't 
don't have a lot of they don't have a lot of pieces that that have attraction to other teams. So you would think that they had to at least consider it or quietly gauge what kind of value moving love could bring back in this market. But I can only say what I've been told is no, that's not the case. The Cavs don't want to move him, so I don't know that we're ever going to get the true answer on that one. So what can they do then at this point? There's this Hill trade that seemed like it was at the one yard line that seems to to have faltered. Now Fry is back in the rotation. He's the, their backup center. They only have two big men basically on the roster who are playable now with, with Love out. So is it just hang tight and see what we can get on the buyout market, or could there be something more there? I wish I was smart enough to answer that question because yeah, you 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 look at you look at you look at. I mean, the Tristan Thompson market just isn't there. Yeah, I, mean, I I I don't think they can find a trade home for him. So you would think they would have to just say we're we're gonna you know can we find someone who would take Love even injured and can we to do something significant? You would have to think he's involved. But at this point, maybe there just isn't anything significant available to them. Now again, they're still a week out, and I'm sure they're going to pursue every single option. You know, Isaiah Thomas is another one. Would they would they trade Isaiah Thomas? Would his could his expiring contract work for somebody out there? You, you have to think that they are looking at every option because the pieces they've been trying to trade haven't gotten it done, or else we would have seen them make a trade already. They needed to make a trade two weeks ago. Yeah, maybe they if nothing better materializes, they might return to that George Hill trade. Although it sounds like there are a lot of stumbling blocks there. And the Brooklyn pick, you know, we in the mock trade deadline, which is always a useful exercise, we kind of tried to find a home for the Brooklyn pick and to see hey is there anyone that's out there that even if LeBron James won't commit to return that you can get a good enough player for that where hey maybe this guy can be part of the team uh, even if LeBron leaves and can help us this year and that doesn't really seem to be that kind of a a trade out there with DeMarcus now you know is injured and the Pels weren't going to trade him anyway and then uh, Paul George isn't available there really aren't any players who would make enough of a difference this year it seems like where that Brooklyn pick would be on the table here's a hypothetical for you would you have done it for Blake I don't think so uh because number one that's just not that great of a contract you're really hamstringing your franchise going forward and then the fit between he and LeBron is those are both very redundant players both the the same size Blake can't really shoot that well around LeBron they both really need the ball in their hands to to pass and set up others that's Blake's really best skill at this point is to, to be a playmaker uh more than like a dominating finisher inside and maybe you could say you could put Blake at center but I, I don't think I would have done it um uh, for Blake Griffin and then I mean maybe you could say well the rest of their salary is so bad that to match salary they would have had to by definition get off a bad salary and that's where the value comes to get Blake and you know you're not really hurting yourself that much because you've got the long-term salary for Blake, Blake which goes a lot longer than some of these other guys admittedly but um no I don't I don't think I would have done that uh, but it would have depended on what kind of salary it was going back obviously and, and I guess love probably would have had to be in that deal maybe jr smith or tristan or amon shumpert or something like that but I, I think love is actually better for them than blake would be yeah it's an interesting one i mean i you know instinct says at this point that they're going to keep that pick that there's just nothing good enough that's going to materialize in the next week for them to suddenly reverse course and put that pick in play but they're still trying i mean that's all that's all we know is that they're still trying desperately and and you know we we all know the guys they want i guess we'll just we'll we'll see uh i guess this year we should be we should be expecting something good to materialize <laughs> out of thin air because since like you said since february of 2017 it has all right well the rest of this podcast will materialize uh, momentarily right after this word so valentine's day is coming up in a couple of weeks let's just all do ourselves a favor and not screw it up this time and you cannot go wrong with the combination of sherry's berries and pro flowers they have teamed up for an unprecedented deal to help you really impress your valentine this year with their perfectly paired collection sherry's berries enormous delicious dipped strawberries pro flowers guarantee fresh arrival they arrive together in a beautiful specially designed box that keeps the berries cold and the flowers fresh guaranteed those flowers in my experience stay fresh for well over a week if you follow the convenient instructions that they provide and right now my listeners can save 20 percent on any one of their perfectly paired combinations or if you want to go in another direction any other gift over 29 dollars using that familiar promo code capspace of course we talked about all the time here on the program once again that's 20 percent off a perfectly paired combination of pro flowers and sherry 
Reese's Berries, or any other gift over $29 available at berries.com, B-E-R-R-I-E-S.com today. Enter my code CAPSPACE, that'll save you 20%. That's berries.com, code CAPSPACE, let them know that you came from us. So a few more topics I, I wanted to get to here. Let's start with the Pelicans. You had indicated that it seemed like it was fait accompli. I, well, maybe that's p- putting it too strong. I know reporters hate when people uh, put words in their mouths, but th- that it seemed likely that the Pels were going to offer DeMarcus uh, that five-year deal at the 30% max, about $175 million, and that he was going to sign it. How does the Achilles tear affect both the, what the Pels might be willing to do there and then his market elsewhere? We had talked about how maybe there are only a couple of teams that might be willing to offer him the max before the Achilles tear last time. The reality is the Pels don't know yet. They would love to be able to have that answer now to plot out the next five months, but they can't. They're going to need to see where Cousins is in his rehab come July 1, I think, to really know the full answer. But they still want him. And if they see the right progress, I don't think a max deal is out of the question because they really do want to keep him. So I, I don't think, I don't think, I guess the best way to say it is I don't think the max contract has been extinguished completely. But I also think as we sit here on February 1st, it's it's too hard to say exactly how much or how far the Pelicans can go. But I think they definitely want to keep him. And I still think that's the likely scenario. And I think, look, you know, cousin DeMarcus Cousins fans would probably say he never was relying on explosion before. So maybe that gives him a better chance to recover from this than we've seen for other guys. But obviously for this to happen to a big man, you know, it's 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 a different calculus than than we've seen with a lot of guys who've endured this injury previously. Yeah, and maybe they could reach a common ground by having some non-guarantees or some games played triggers on the end of that contract, or maybe he gets a little bit less than the max, but it's still five years, something along those lines. But yeah, I mean, a lot of it's just going to depend on what else is out there. But as we saw with Drew Holiday, the Pels are kind of once again over a barrel. We saw this with the Wizards as well, though at least their guys were restricted where you just have no choice but to pay the guy. It's just a question of what DeMarcus's uh, market is going to be elsewhere and what he can convince the Pels market or, or the Pels that his market is elsewhere also and you know whether in fact he wants to stay there also all right another quick hitter here Kemba Walker since we last talked Michael Jordan came out and said basically no I'm only trading him for an all-star we haven't heard anything about him since uh, what's your feeling on Walker these days if that's really the price point if that's what if Michael Jordan was serious with what he said and that you know he's only gonna take and how can you go to the I mean people have been saying oh no he's posturing he left a bunch of holes I was like he's pretty unequivocal uh, to me in that and like if you go to your local media who usually local media is kind of who the teams go to to kind of put their own spin on things once national media reports things in a way that they don't like uh i mean how can you go like that to local media and then not really be serious about it if you do make that trade so i mean i think it's it's really hard for them uh to just take less than what jordan was talking about in that interview now well kind of the buzz after that was that uh jordan felt like he had to take that step because the trade speculation really upset uh it really upset kemba walker and and so that was something that the hornets felt like they had to do just to kind of put walker just to you know to give him some sort of comfort level but the flip side of it is jordan so rarely speaks to the media about anything and so rarely reveals yeah. he a- called he right. called rick bonnell like <laughs> on his own volition yeah, i mean it's you know th- you know we we go seasons sometimes without jordan saying anything and that that actually that really bugs me i mean if i was a hornets fan i would be furious that like we don't get to hear you know i just think the fans deserve to hear from the lead decision maker so they have some something to go on and uh you know jordan almost never gives a state of the union but yeah like you said he called the reporter to say these things and establish you know establish these new guidelines it's it, it's hard not to take them seriously and i don't think it's an accident that we've heard very little about kemba walker since then yeah it's also interesting too I and mean, i've been reporting that rich Cho is in the last year of his contract there obviously has not gotten an extension he's the gm but obviously you know jordan you imagine is uh calling the shots uh, 
on a final basis so it's interesting to see how that affects things and then your reporting the last one here was that the Mavs desperately do not want to part with uh Wes Matthews that the he's so important for their culture but you know if they're a first round pick available uh they might be willing to move yeah and I mean look they they you know and it is it is a change of position for them because I think a year ago they did look at Wes Matthews as an untouchable and he's no longer untouchable but uh, is anyone giving up a first round pick for him in this market knowing how and we we've seen it I mean Blake Griffin just got traded and there was only one first round pick involved I mean that tells you how hard it is to get a first round pick so if Tyreek Evans can't fetch a first round pick if Miritich can't fetch a first round pick we can't be surprised in the current marketplace it's just not easy to get one and so Wes Matthews with another expensive season on his deal the likelihood is Dallas isn't going to be able to get a first round pick for him but that's where I don't think someone can just offer Dallas a couple seconds on on deadline day and and convince them to part with with Wes Matthews I I at this point I don't see that happening I feel like I got, I got to throw a caveat in every sentence because things change so fast in this in this sure. crazy league but you know Tyreek Evans Miritich you know we'll see if those guys actually move and we'll see if they actually get first if first round picks are actually involved but I I do think Dallas is going to hold firm on on their kind of it'll take a first for West stance well and again this is one of those ones where there just are not the expiring contracts around the league and one of the biggest ones Greg Monroe just disappeared with the the buyout and so is Dallas willing to take on long-term yes, money that, 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 is that, likely to opt that in. is yeah. that is yeah. that is the difference for a first the Mavs will take on money and I think that puts them in it hmm. that puts okay. them in a fairly small group right now because um, yeah and with it's funny because you know they had these cat space aspirations this summer but with Cousins now perhaps looking a lot less attractive and, and he's been linked to them for a long time uh maybe now they're like well you know what maybe it's just better to wait until the summer of, of 2019 when West would come off or we could just you know get a first for him and take back some other bad side we don't care as much about this offseason's cap well, space and you have to look at Mavs history since the championship in 2011 they've had cap space numerous times and it's almost never played out the way they hoped yeah and their success as a franchise has much more frequently been making a big trade for an expensive player maybe even a reclamation project type player and getting that guy back on course and turning him into a contributor so I think it's it's somewhat of you know, the Mavs understand that we've had caps back cap space in the past and it hasn't worked out for us anyway so let's you know let's let's go for picks let's go for top picks let's let's try a new let's try a new direction all right well thanks again Mark this is awesome I apologize for keeping you a little bit longer but uh so much to talk about here with the trade deadline only a, a week away um don't forget to sign up for his newsletter as well there's a lot of tidbits available there that uh, not available anywhere else and it is free which is pretty awesome uh, as well so th- thanks again to mark stein for coming on and uh we'll talk to you again after the deadline can't wait Sounds for that good man all the best to the dunked on brothers well, we thought that Danny was going to have the day off since we had Mark on, but Mark and I talked for about five minutes about Miritich, and then he got traded, so we ended up having to cut that. And now instead, we'll bring Danny in to discuss a trade that actually finally now has been consummated. What are the details on that, Mr. LaRue? So it is a little bit different than what we what we anticipated. And so what, what the final terms are is Nikola Miritich, New Orleans' own 2018 second-round pick, which was a part of the Quincy Pondex, trade going to the Pelicans and then going from New Orleans to Chicago you have Omer Ashik, Jameer Nelson and Tony Allen plus the Pelicans own first round pick which is only top five protected so that is much lighter protection than many of us expected and swap rights of second round picks in 2021. Yeah and the protection in 2019 on that first rounder is one through eight but almost certain that that pick goes this year. I mean the only way it's not going to is if the Pels don't make the playoffs and then get into the top three in the lottery um and we'll have to see what happens to that pick after 2019 i don't think that's been reported yet but some small chance maybe if they have to trade anthony davis and then that gets protected again one through eight after they already got the top three pick this year i mean that it would take quite a turn of events for neither of those protections to apply and so it looks like dell demps did a nice job here of whether it was real or fake pretending that they couldn't exercise miritich's 12.5 million 
player option or i'm sorry team option for next season without getting additional concessions and it always seemed like a bit of a canard because we felt that miritich was a value contract on a one-year 12.5 million dollar deal if the option were in fact exercised and it never really made sense for the pels to balk at that but they whether that was real or not they convinced the bulls to throw in more and now the option will be exercised and uh, they'll get miritich on a value contract for next year and some more goodies as well on top of that even if it was a challenge if that made the deal less desirable for the pelicans it was still a good deal for them in the first place so they got other assets on top of it and still had a deal that was positive and so the way that i'm thinking about this from chicago's perspective because for for new orleans's perspective i mean they were able to not only offload an undesirable contract but add a a good player on a good contract that can help them right away so i think from their perspective this is a a clearer win to do both those yes they did give up their own first round pick but the, but the those are significant. It's not a rental. It's a two-year thing. For Chicago, I like to think of this trade as two separate deals. One is the offloading of Nikola Miritich. The other one being taking on about $14 million in dead money in Omar Asik that they can handle in a couple different ways. And I see the Miritich, correct me if I'm I feel like he's more of like a, a strong second value than a late first, just because he's paid a bunch of money. You know, he's paid $25 million combined over these two years. Not all of that is being paid by New Orleans, obviously and he you know so that's reasonable value that's not great value for him while he helps new orleans you have that but then you also have the the basically taking on 14 million in money so like to me those are both more in the late first early second range and so then the discussion becomes well would you rather have two separate trades where you get that kind of a return or would you rather have the let's call it the 16th pick in the draft yeah and that is important to note here that the pels still could potentially miss the playoffs although miritich will help them there they also open up a couple of roster slots and very importantly as well more room below the tax and the hard cap the latter of which applies because drew holiday has these nebulous incentives in his contract that he's probably not going to reach but that's still count against the hard cap but anyway being able to move nelson and allen for nothing guys who look like pretty dead salary though nelson i think could still help a team and, and we could talk about that aspect a little bit later but there are a lot of reasons I, I, the more i think about this trade is that these two teams kind of needed each other here for the bulls you can say all right in a vacuum it wasn't great value right i think that 14 million dollars in dead money when there aren't a ton of teams it seems like especially right now at this deadline who are willing to take on money for 2018-19 and even some money beyond that with ashik as well so the bulls are one of the few teams that could help the pels out there and that could also then provide a player who would be useful to them this season especially a, a big who they needed to stretch right i think miritich on his own might be worth pretty close to to a first he certainly i think is a better player than a lot of guys gotten traded for first lately although the market on that has of course tightened the pels also needed a team that was willing to just take on nelson and take on allen well the bulls are a little bit below the salary floor still so no problems there and for the bulls i mean it was really other than new orleans and, and tony jones of salt lake tribune it had reported that the jazz were balking at including a first round pick for miritich because the jazz didn't really have bad salary to send back or at least the bulls were interested in alec Burks maybe would have been the only one there. So finding a way to calibrate the value of a first round pick for Miritich and then also sending back some bad salary. The Pels are really the only team out there was really that interested in Miritich. And maybe the Bulls felt like, hey, you know what? We better cave on this second rounder stuff because real talk here, we have to move Miritich now. He's too good. He's helping us win games. We can't have that. That's a big bone of this trade. He really wants to be gone. We got to move him for the trade deadline. This is the only first that's out there. Where else can we go if we don't include another second? So maybe that was the thing there i still think they you know the bulls certainly include plenty of seconds in deals without thinking about it the campaign trade was one the anthony randolph trade back in 2014 was another but it's really i think i understand it the more i think about it from their perspective because i really and especially with the blake griffin going to detroit now that took another suitor for miritich off the table so really if they wanted a first rounder i'm not sure they had any other option other than that there's also certainly merit to saying you want one singularly better asset than two and ones and, and yeah. the idea and because you can actually do something with that especially when you have as many guys young guys under contract as they do and yes those consolidation trades can happen and do in the draft all the time i mean you have those the moves like what what portland did last year like those sorts of things can happen and teams have pick value charts and all that sort of stuff but doing it now and of course they have plenty of other assets they can go in those directions so it's not it's certainly not a terrible trade from that from their perspective the well, and the pick has upside too i think 
think oh absolutely thing too that and that perhaps we don't know what protection new orleans wanted maybe the bulls by giving back that second rounder bought another couple slots worth of from, lower protection from at, top 10 to top pit. five or something like yeah. that or whatever yeah and and that certainly depending on if you if new orleans fell like they could fall if that was if it was something like that they could have fallen far enough to get in the top 10 I, I wouldn't have expected it but they could have yeah. and and if they were getting a first round pick from somebody else you know maybe there would have had to have been more protection like the jazz i'm sure were not interested in just you know trading away their pick this year without many protections you know so maybe this is the only way they felt like hey we got a pick with some modicum of upside if hey you know it wouldn't be the first time somebody got injured <laughs> in new orleans uh well and then you know, so so maybe they, that pick ends up being you know the 11th pick in the draft or something. there's another piece of specific value to the bulls with Oshik because of the structure of his contract assuming they keep him on their roster this year which they should i mean there isn't really a reason not to especially if you're tanking not 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 the worst way to do that and if you if you keep him on your roster for this year what that gives you the option of doing in the offseason is they can i think their default should be that they keep him on the roster you know that they keep him on the roster and and don't stretch him but they can keep him around you go up to 20 guys during the offseason and if you need the extra money created you can stretch his remaining 14 million in guaranteed money over five years i don't think that's a good idea in most circumstances but if the right guy said yes then you have that flexibility available to you and with a lot of the other bad money you would take it would be a different structure and so i think and and 14 million over five years you know it's not that much money per season so i don't think that's going to end up being the case but that flexibility does have some value for them and also the idea that it's so heavily tilted towards the first year means that if it ends up being 2019 is the better time for the bulls to use their space for their own purposes they basically are out of his contract free and clear at that point yeah and between Ashik, between robin lopez who uh, there has not been much talk of again with the center market so impacted i don't expect them to be able to really find a suitor for him uh, but between Ashik and robin lopez now they've got plenty of expiring money next year and then we might see them depending on where they are as a franchise by that point roll over those two expiring contracts to take on some bad money that goes on a year afterwards you know get into the turner the mahin me the uh, those type of contract sweepstakes that go the four-year contract signed in 2016 that, that were really ugly so uh, that's uh i think the more i think about this for the bulls i think they did about as well as they could it would have been nice if they didn't have to throw that second rounder in the deal and certainly given their history with doing that and not valuing second rounders you have to imagine that they're just like ah fuck it we'll put that in uh when that became the demand uh, from del dumps and then of course worsening their own draft pick is a huge thing for the bulls as well um anything else you had uh, on this renew side i mean i guess the pals you know miritich is a great fit and their attention now is going to turn to maybe signing greg monroe a louisiana native as well and they'll have a really nice three-man front court combination uh with ad monroe and miritich if indeed uh the monroe signing comes about well one thing i think that's important to consider from new orleans standpoint is just how big a wholesale change this is for their books because they went from having just so just a perilous amount of bad money with Ashik at 11.3 Alexei Jensen next year at 5.3 you know with all that and and so yes they did give up first round pick and, and of course that should not be ignored because it's an important it's why the Bulls did this trade but they don't you know they they have some money that's uncomfortable I'm sure they would rather not have Solomon Hill at his remaining money than have him but going from where they were to this is really important for them and then if they need to make smaller moves to get under the tax or whatever they're going to do it's it seems much more feasible from this point than it was from their prior one and the value of that for their front office for ownership is, is certainly significant yeah and next season if they were to re-sign demarcus to the mac they would be about seven million dollars over the tack if they were able to move on from agenda uh, making 5.3 they would get pretty close to being under uh, at that point hill would be the other uh, potential candidate th- that they would end up moving on from uh check diallo you know, around the margins they could uh, try to finagle their way under a little bit uh but agenda certainly is all you know whether they stretch him or whether they just try to move him with that second round pick that they conveniently just got back and then for the bulls this does affect their salary cap space going forward but if you were going to assume that miritich was going to be under contract for next year anyway not a huge change as of now including zach levine's cap hold they project to have about 24 million in space for next summer but i think that the fact that they took on this bad money from ashik would presage that they are not going to try to really make a ton of signings that it's going to continue to be bad money dumping ground for for another year as 
they try to build up assets and then as for nelson it always seemed weird to me that he signed in new orleans when he got waived from denver it seemed like charlotte for example although who knows maybe charlotte just wasn't even willing to spend the money on a minimum at that point because of their own tax concerns but that would have made so much more sense if if charlotte could have gotten him imagine where they could be right now instead of having to play michael carter williams and his 30 percent shooting percentage all year and and nelson you know was going somewhere with rondo when he returned and with ian clark who could play in the backcourt and of course holiday and etuan moore you know there didn't seem to be that much playing time for him once rondo came back and that's exactly what happened so we'll see where nelson ends up i think he can help a team it's too bad for charlotte who has the most obvious backup point guard hole in the league that you know it's probably too late for him to help them another small nuance of this is i think this does make it less likely that the bulls take on 2019 20 salary moving forward just because the gap is the the place to fill is smaller it might it might not that's just my read on it right now and that's bad for teams that want to move 2019 20 space this summer that want to move that because i think teams are like the cap teams are going to be fundamentally optimistic about 2019 and so anybody who's trying to move on from like noah or corkson or somebody like that it doesn't eliminate the bulls from consideration but i think it does make it less likely yeah and this is another interesting data point in how much does it cost to dump dead salary and there's so many uh, so many of those out there now noah is another one obviously myers leonard is another one obviously Uh, and we've kind of been going rule of thumb one first round pick to dump 20 million dollars in bad salary this one a little harder to calibrate because you're not dumping the money the 14 million straight up but you are getting miritich back who can play and is signed under about the same money and about the same amount of time so we'll see maybe the market for dumping salary will actually be a little bit less restrictive than we thought or maybe the pels did well to act now rather than waiting until this summer to try to move someone so uh, i think this is one though that overall helps uh, both sides a, a reasonable amount sure the pels you know this is yet another first round pick that's getting traded away but realistically if you're trying to convince anthony davis to stay that first round pick that guy wasn't going to help you next year and next year is what it's going to be all about really because if they can't compete at all next year then you have to imagine that uh, the pressure will really be on with davis only having one year left after next year um anything you want to promote or talk about before we go well yeah we talked a little bit about the greg monroe thing but man that would pretty be a pretty impressive revamp of their front court if they could pull it off we don't know what what he's prioritizing boston can offer more money but i think that's interesting and i will have a miritich trade piece probably more focused on the bulls side of it up at the athletic chicago at some point soon i'm I'm in the process of writing it now all right thanks again for listening we'll be back we're going to do our monthly awards on sunday night talk to you all then fantasy basketball fans it's not too late to join the highest rated fantasy football app and that's draft you can download the app anytime just search draft in your app store join a game in minutes or play right from your computer at draft.com whichever you prefer for limited time only all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit using that familiar promo code capspace easy to remember we talk about capspace all the time in the program that's right play a real money game for free using the promo code capspace on your first deposit at bet365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.